When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Knife Talk is sponsored by Even Heat, the manufacturers of the finest heat treating ovens available. Find your next oven at evenheat-kiln.com. To the chopper! Welcome to Knife Talk, episode 117. Um, this is another episode, which we do every Monday. 119. Oh, Jesus Christ, what's wrong with me? I'm out of practice. I wanted to break your, I wanted to break your balls. <laughs> I wanted to break your balls after you introduced us. I'm out of practice. Fine. So we're here, as we are, every Monday morning with an episode. Um, we've also got a few in the can, which we're going to sort of pepper throughout the week as well to keep everybody's spirits up because we're living in crazy, crazy times. So I'm here, Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives, as usual. Mareko Momassi of Momassi Fire Arts is here. And Jeff Fader of Fader Knives. It's been a crazy week for everybody. Let, let's start with Mareko. How are things over there? Uh, things, well... <laughs> Things, I mean, I think you guys are probably experiencing the same thing in that knife making is a pretty isolating work. And so it hasn't really affected um, my ability to go to work or anything like that. Uh, it, I just said it, you know, all this, the pandemic and all this, you know, social distancing, as Jeff spoke about in his single track and everything that's going on right now. So. Um, I'm just trying to stay in my, my shop. I'm trying to stay positive, trying to, I've, I've had to cut out some of the, uh, the negative podcasts because they're really <laughs> pulling me down a little bit about the, uh, the potential future of the world and everything. Uh, and so, yeah, just staying productive. Um, I've been, uh, I have a giant, okay. So I, I forged out this giant 14 inch breaker knife. Uh, it's a breaking knife is a butcher style knife. Or as a butcher knife, and sometimes called a scimitar. It's really long and has a, a long curve that is exaggerated out towards the tip. It's actually kind of a sweeping trailing tip. Um, and this is for a friend who is a butcher down in Eugene, Oregon. He's a super talented guy. Uh, it's forged out at W2, so it's mono steel. And uh, did some hormone setting on it. It was a little tricky. Uh, one, because of the size of the blade and the mass, like the, the thermal mass of the mm -hmm. material and making sure you're hitting the right temperature and you got the, the oil at the right temperature also to quench, like to cool it down in the right uh, amount of time. I actually had to redo the, I had I, the first round of putting the hormone on there didn't happen. It didn't work right. 
And uh, what's nice about W2 or any other kind of steel when you're trying to do a hormone is if you, uh, if you mess it up, you can just put it through a subcritical anneal at 1,250 degrees for, you know, whatever, half an hour. It'll kind of erase that hormone, and then you can go back and paint it back on there and try it again and adjust your temperatures as you need. Um, I got it the second time. I just finished the finish grinding on it. And so, uh, but it's a big beast. And W2 is super wear-resistant material. Um, so I'm not super excited about hand sanding, <laughs> but I, I'm also not, I mean, it's, it's just whatever. It's part of it. You got to do it. And so I'm glad that I'm bam, 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 working with my, uh, Indasa USA sandpaper because it makes a huge difference. Anyways. Um, so I got a question. So, yeah, so yeah. that was, I didn't, I didn't realize it. So basically if you, if you, if your hormone doesn't come out the way you want it, if you just normalize and anneal it, you're you just you're basically taking an eraser to it all and starting over, right? Yeah, so it's not like a full anneal; it's a spheredized anneal or what's called a subcritical anneal. So it's just bringing it up below critical at twelve fifty, like I said, for a short period of time, and that essentially what you're doing is over tempering the steel, but you're also relaxing everything and uh, chilling it all back out before going back at it again. So you're you're preparing the martensite back to be ready to be turned into austenite when you heat treat yes yeah um and it did have some a little a wiggling action going to it and what always trips me out because i don't use foil uh because of the integral bolster i um you know it's exposed to the air and there's and what comes along with that is some decarb and when you start grinding on it it starts warping to one side and the other and before i knew what was happening i would always freak out but now i just try to carefully grind a little bit on each side back and forth back and forth until i feel like i've gotten through all the decarb um because it'll it'll hook on you like a whole like i've i've had blades hook off like a half an inch three quarters of an inch um one way or the other um because of grinding through the decarb and then yeah it's it's weird stuff but anyway um so, so are you actually, what are you using? When you said paint, paint on, are you using a clay, which you're putting on to help with the hormone? What, what is it you're using? Yeah, so I've used tons, not tons, but lots of different stuff in the past. And what I have now is some Satanite, um, which is a high temperature refractory clay, or, you know, just clay that you can use for building your, or lining your kiln and stuff like that. But it is also great to act as an insulator when you are um when you're painting painting on the clay to kind of set your hormone gotcha. so yeah and it's a really nice fine powder and so uh and and so it, you can get really fine lines with it uh our friend of the show uh will uh morris he gets some of the best hormones i've ever seen he's down in australia and uh, the the fine lines that he gets and the, and the activity, he's just got it dialed in. He's definitely inspiration for making for set creating nice hormones as well as what you know how to approach them. And um, and he yeah, Will Morrison is awesome. He's a yeah. he's a extraordinary knife maker. He listens to the podcast. He likes the he wants more dick jokes, but fine. Yeah. <laughs> what about you, Jeff? Let's let's stick with work at the moment. Have you managed to get anything done this week? Uh, not really. Be honest with you. Yeah, it's been real hard. I've been working on, uh, I changed my hours 
to be a little bit more at home with my kid and uh it's been it's been rough getting a lot of work done like i'm not as these, these days in new york it's not what it used to be so it's a little harder for me to get some work done i've been kind of working on a couple of knives uh actually one I, actually i had a a good friend of mine who's a, a brewer uh, a local brewer had ordered a couple knives, one for his brother and then two, one for his chef and one for uh, a giveaway at the, re- the restaurant. We had to put two of them on hold because obviously things are not the way they used to be. So I'm working on a, uh, a uh, Damascus um, hidden tang knife for his brother. I got the Damascus from Bob Rankin, and it's great. And um, I ground it heat treated uh, normalized the heat treated tempered it ground it down hand sanded it stuck in the ferric chloride and it looks great so i'm going to try to get that on a stabilized redwood burl that i got from rob's wildwood and i'm gonna work on that and then i'm working on a kind of like a hunting knife gift for uh, our friend andrew alexander of blacksmith tools he ordered he's been very supportive of me and uh, i'm gonna get him squared away and other than that i gotta try to finish this knife this uh i had this week's been tough for me in regards to getting things done and just for you know obviously things are weird and then i uh i gotta finish this knife and send it out to my friend i got this 11 and three quarter inch chef's knife i gotta i just sharpened it yesterday and uh, i'm gonna just kind of clean it up and put it in the mail on monday and then uh you know onward and upward i seem to i seem to be doing a lot more um working with the local local officials here than i'm in my shop so i'm trying to be as helpful as i can be you know fucking weird very weird times very very strange yeah it's unfortunately in getting you know it's hard to not get you know, I can talk. I mean, I I literally talked to exactly what I. I mean, I hand sanded a knife. I hand sanded two knives. I was trying to get a couple more things done, and then you know, but my, I'm kind of disappointed in my my local community uh, officials. There hasn't been a whole lot of uh, guidance or help from them. So I've took taken it upon myself to kind of help the local restaurants and businesses in this area, and I've kind of looped in with. Uh, I've been become quite good friends with the uh one of the people who runs the uh chamber of commerce mm-hmm. over here and i've been helping her and then i've been linking up with this community website that's been awesome and i'm going to be working with a lot of different groups i got a business i got a i got a call in with this awesome company started by my friend louis lanza and a few chefs called million gallons mm-hmm. and it's basically uh, uh an organization that's going to feed all these out of work restaurant people so they're, you know, trying to figure out ways in which to make money and feed all the, you know, there's pickups and I'm going to be, I got to call in with them. We're going to work on something there. And yeah, my, my life is completely, you know, I'd say 75% um, trying to be supportive of my local community and, you know, 15% uh, my own family. And then another, where are we at? 10% in the mm-hmm. knife shop. So that's really honestly where it's yeah. all is. Well, you've got more work done in the shop than me. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, listen, hey, listen, let's just talk about Craig Lockwood. Craig Lockwood, Craig Lockwood's doing is he is taking care of his community and the people around. What you're doing, could you just go on and tell us that website you're working on for, for, oh, for schools? Yeah. It's extraordinary. Yeah. extraordinary. I'll, I'll talk about my week. So um, start of the week in the UK. Um, 
I mean, uh, the the whole sort of pandemic had been had been growing in there and, and causing lots of, sort of fear. And we're, we're wondering, my wife and I, thinking we're we better off in the UK or we're better off getting home as, as soon as we can. We're hearing, you know, lots of cases in France and France went on a partial lockdown. Um, and we just made the made the choice that right, we're going to drive tomorrow night. We're going to drive back to France because the uh, in the, in the UK, the UK Prime Minister was making an announcement at five o'clock every day. And they were getting, you know, each day it was getting worse and worse. And I thought, well, we're going to be on lockdown in either country. We're better off being on lockdown in in our own country with our stuff. And you know, we've got little babies; they want all their stuff around them. So, so we drove through the night um, from the UK to we're back back here at home now in France. So it's a sort of fifteen hour ride, um, oh. and the roads were completely Jeez. empty because here in France there there is a complete lockdown. Um, you know, when we got to the border, we had to prove our residency that we lived in France, and it was a special case. We had special government paperwork. So we could get home, that kind of thing. The, the the roads were completely empty. I think we saw about ten cars in the whole fifteen hour journey. Crazy. So unbelievable. So we get home, and the, the well, I mean, what's happening here in France? It's it's not it's not as bad as other countries. So we we can't say you know it, it's terrible, but um, we basically can't leave the house. If you, if you leave the house. Um, you you have to have you have to have paperwork with you, and the police are stopping anybody out in the streets, and the army are out in the streets, and they're, they're stopping people, and they're checking that you've got paperwork. So the paperwork says that you can go to um, one of the predefined supermarkets to get food, or, or a pharmacy, um, or um, basically there's a few there's a few sort of criteria you can hit, to, you know, to to be allowed to be outside. Um, and and if the police or the army stop you and you don't have this paperwork on you, uh, you'll immediately be arrested and there's a huge fine, that kind of thing. So it's it's very different to the UK, um, which, which at the moment people, I mean, I think it was only yesterday that the British Prime Minister closed these sort of bars and restaurants. And that was causing a massive headache for all of the restaurants and bars because... What the what the what the prime minister was saying? He was telling people not to go out. Please don't go to bars and restaurants. But he wasn't ordering the closure of bars and restaurants. So that what that meant is restaurants had to had to pay their staff, but nobody was coming in. They weren't making any money. Um, they couldn't claim on any sort of insurance because they were still allowed to be open. They weren't ordered to close. Um, and you know, many restaurants are going you know from week to week to pay the, to pay their wage bills, that kind of thing, and their salary. So that was a really stressful time for a lot of restaurants. And what they what some of them have done has just been incredible. So they they they've just turned everything around to basically be, even sort of Michelin starred restaurants. They're now doing takeaways and deliveries. You know, it's crazy. But I think it was just yesterday that the prime minister did finally say that um, all bars and restaurants have to be closed. Which is, I think, was a big relief for restaurant owners and restaurant staff, um, because now that they know that they can get paid, the government has put in 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 force these the, these things so that they'll get paid at least. Um, but it was just a long time coming for the UK, so that there was a lot of sort of nervous energy around the sort of restaurant industry, um, which was very different in France. The, the, the very first announcement that the, the the French president made well over a week ago. When he come on the screen, the first thing he said was, "Not a single business is going to be affected or go out of business because they're, they're, they've got these financial plans and people people can get money from the government that kind of thing." That's the first thing he said. But in the UK, nothing nothing like that was said. So this is this massive uncertainty. But thankfully, 
from yesterday, things things have, have, have turned around. So there's been all this uncertainty. So we, we've got back to France um, with regards to sort of work-wise. Um, I, mean, I mean, just this morning I started just putting some liners on handles and that kind of thing. But I think it's going to be... I mean, it, it feels horrible to say it's going to be a difficult time for knife makers because so many people are going through far worse. All those sort of care workers and these people on the front line are having, who are having to work in, in terrible circumstances. You know, they're having it bad. Where we may be hit financially slightly, um, but, you know, but, yeah, it, it is bad. I mean, I can't imagine the restaurant trade... Um, ordering knives for, for you know for the coming three six twelve months wherever it may be um so yeah so i think we all need to sort of prepare ourselves maybe um but yeah but you mentioned the thing that i'm doing for um kids at home so a lot of people have been forced into this really well everybody's been forced into this really strange thing of schools being closed so kids are at home um people are having to sort of homeschool and home educate maybe for the first time they don't know you know they don't know what they're doing where to go they can they can jump on youtube and try and find stuff but you know if you jump on youtube and try to find stuff you've got rabbit holes you're all over the place so um i i've come up with a platform called um well it's it's called b square because the idea is if you can't be there as in school you can be square so b square.education it's a, a video platform where there'll be curated content for three to twelve year olds um, so if anybody's got children at home, um, and lots of people, you know, still will be working as well. So they need something for the kids to do. Um, so the idea is there's there's curated, it'll be launching Monday morning, which is when this podcast goes live. Um, there'll be curated educational content um, from a sort of experts in their field, but done in such a way that it'll be for children. Um, parents can go on there. They can set up private playlists. They can set up a timetable for children. They can discuss the content and all that kind of thing in a very sort of safe environment, completely free to use. Um, so that's what I've been doing. I stayed, what was it, Thursday night. We got back on Thursday morning after driving through the night. Then I stayed up all night Thursday sort of coding this. Um, there's still lots to do, but I've got another sort of 24 hours to finish it. Um, but it's been amazing. So we've got some sort of minor celebrities doing some some bits for it as well, some content. We've got a, a NASA engineer doing some science content to go in there. So there's going to be science stuff, sports stuff, music stuff. Um, not the traditional sort of maths and English, because I think that's pretty well catered for anyway. Um, but, yeah, it's 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 something that hopefully people will be able to sort of – it'll help them through this time a little bit. So that's – bsquare.education and that'll be live from from tomorrow morning that's incredible that you were able to do that and and very thoughtful and helpful and it's 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 a mass i think it'll be a massive relief to a lot of parents and and you know i'm i'm very very proud that i know you and that you're you did something as you know as thoughtful and as helpful as that well, it's been nice to do what I used to do. This is what I used, This was my my sort of former career. And thinking when I'm sitting in the house, thinking, you know, how can I help all these people? It's like making a knife for somebody isn't going to be too helpful. So, you know, I had these skills to fall back on. And it's not just me doing this. I've seen lots of people doing great, great things to help others out. So, yeah, it. Well, thank you very much. But um, yeah, it's I. We're at this really strange time where it's nice to see people coming together. I mean. Particularly here in Europe, we've had all this division over 
the last year, you know, the whole Brexit thing and, you know, and, and I, I know in America it's very much divided as well with regards to, you know, the government there. But, you know, it's nice to finally see, as much as it's a horrible situation to be in, that people are being nicer to each other. People are being helpful and helping each other out. And let's hope, you know, when we get out of this, that people would, would maybe have changed for the better. And this, this you know, this behaviour that we're starting to see of people being helpful will will continue. Well, it's interesting because uh, there's this is very reminiscent. My my wife and I were in Brooklyn when during nine eleven, and we saw we were I actually driving her to. Uh, she was doing uh, finishing off nursing school, and I was on the BQE when we saw the second plane hit the towers. There's a very 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 reminiscent feeling that I'm having now in New York State that reminds me of back then where people don't know what to do and, 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 and there's uncertainty and, and now all of a sudden your, is your, our futures are, what are our futures? But the best thing is, is the facts that people are coming together as communities. And that was the one thing that I, I needed back, back in, uh, at, during, um, the nine 11, which was people coming together and being there for each other and also trying to figure out creative ways in which they can help. And I think that you're going to find in this situation, especially, that there's going to be new directions that people take in terms of what they're going to do in the future and how people can be helped. And, you know, it's not going to be business as usual, regardless of whatever you think the government did or whatever you think. We're going to start to look at our immediate communities, how we can help our immediate communities and how I think that's going to change the way we see what we're doing and find out creative ways to be more helpful in general. And I'm um, just speaking to Mareko before yeah. we went live. I said, what's really struck me about this more than anything else is that, you know, you guys, you, you're the other side of the world to us. A lot of our listeners are all around the world. And everybody's gone through this together at exactly the same time. And there's been nothing in my lifetime that where that's had to happen. Um, and let, you know, let's hope it never no, happens again. I'm, I'm sure it will do, yeah. but it's, it's, it's very strange that everybody around the world is going through this together. Well, that's what your your hope is that the vision in the future is, all right, let's make sure that doesn't happen again. Let's kind of address issues that we didn't address before and figure out ways in which we can, you know, work together to, you know, provide more safety and security for our citizens and our friends and our family. I think that this is a, you know, I, I'll be honest with you. I'm going through these like weird swings of being optimistic and then being pessimistic and being mopey and then being happy. And, and it's like, I actually said to my wife, who's a nurse practitioner, I said, am I, am I, am I, am I, uh, what, uh, you know, am I having some sort of mental breakdown? And she goes, no, you already had that before. You're, you're just, you know, you're just, you know, you, you feel the way you feel and you're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. I think that it's important to be able to feel the way you feel and just, you know, understand it and say, you know, everybody's, you know, like you said, the whole globe is going through this, some worse than others and similar situations. And how can we, you know, how do we, how do we address it and blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm, I'm actually struggling. You know, I see you, you guys doing what you've been doing, especially, you know, Craig, or I'm sorry, Jeff, how you've been, you know, promoting the restaurants and stuff. And I'm, I've been kind of sitting over here on my end of things and I've been kind of radio silent. Like, I don't know. 
I d I'm one of those people that doesn't know what to do. Like, I'm just, I have no idea how I can help. Unfortunately, in my local like area, I'm not really well connected anymore with any of the restaurants or really go out anymore. I don't really know any of these places. Um, I just, I, so I don't know how I can help in that way. I don't, <laughs> all I my, can think is like knife stuff, but I'm like, right. at the same time, who needs help with knife mm, stuff? Yeah. Here's, here's my opinion. My personal opinion is... <clears throat> I, I, you know, when this all happened in New York, in New York, it's kind of like a big hot spot, and there's a lot of yeah. crazy, you know. I saw, I started to see a lot of, you know, you, we look at social media, and that's how we kind of learn things. And I, and I started to see a lot of people that I know, you know, saying things on social media. They're like, "Well, now you got to teach your children how to act, and now you got to now why? How come you? Now, this is like this, you know. If you see a fire, a house is on fire." you got to put it out. You don't just stand around saying who did the fire. You know, I, I feel like I started to feel the concept of just, let's just be helpful and being helpful can be anything from being out of people's ways to helping promote, you know, if you know of like I'm dealing now with um, feeding Westchester, this organization that's going to be like a food pantry that's going to help um, feed people who are going to be out of work you know, or I out of work or a million gallons. And I'm just, I'm trying to just promote if I know, and I don't have to know these people, like I'm, I'm just it, it, in, in in the next episode of Knife uh, Single Track. I laced into my friend Andy B because he's the goddamn son of a bitch who 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 who, who sent me a message saying you got to do something. You got a lot of followers. I, I'm just trying to like if I find out that somebody locally is open, I'm gonna just promote them and I'm and I'm just gonna use what I can do because I like I told you, the local government here sucks. There's one councilwoman that I'm in that I'm in touch with, and I've been she's been relatively helpful, but it shouldn't be me being the one to to deal with it. So I've just my opinion is is if there's something local that can be helpful, just repost it. You know, it doesn't even have to be a restaurant. Like half the restaurants, I don't even know. I was helping I was helping Kasumi Kev, Kasumi Kev, who's listening now. He's sitting on his ass, and he's trying to get his restaurant you know going. And I I, I helped him figure out ways in which to. Uh, to you know, want his stories to promote his restaurant, maybe because we have over ten thousand followers. You can do a link, or you can just put the telephone number on. And it was just like I'm just going to keep going, and 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 you know, if other people do it, then it's great. I don't think you have to be connected. I just think you have to, you know, you don't have to do anything. It's just you have to figure out a way in which you can be helpful. Part of that can be you know just occupying your kids' time, or you know doing you know helping. Like I'm I'm getting the groceries for my mother who's driving me out of her mind. You should you should hear the list of the stupid things she wants, and I'll get them. <laughs> Fucking ice cream, Jet. He calls me up. I said on the next podcast, Jeff. I need you. I need you to get something. I'm out of something. It's very important. Oh yeah, what is it? Vanilla ice cream. I'm like, oh, you can't wait a minute for fucking vanilla ice cream. I'm How? Coming. She's like, yeah, but she's like. She says she goes, yeah, but tomorrow's St. Patrick's Day. I'm like, what the fuck does vanilla ice cream have to do St. Patrick's Day? Come on, man. How are things in the states? I mean, obviously, um, you you've got your you know your national government, but with regards to things like lockdown and things like that, will that is that happening state by state, or is that a, you know a nationwide thing? Well, it seems as though states are on their own. Right. Okay. That's what I'm getting from I'm getting from uh, and and. I, like I, I don't really talk politics just because I've said this before. I, I'm not interested in you hearing your, your your opinion of politics, so I don't say mine. But uh, Governor Cuomo of New York has been a little bit more aggressive in terms of how we're, he's taking care of the city, you know, the state, and he closed down restaurants and, uh, and left have takeaway. He's deemed certain businesses 
essential, which is, you know, and now he's actually allowed restaurants to do takeaway cocktails and booze. So like you can mix, you can get your, and which is something in New York that is, it doesn't exist. You know, it used to be, if you get on to New Orleans, you can get a to-go cup of whatever you want and that's cool, but everywhere else ain't the case. So now you can get yourself a, you know, a shaker full of martinis to go, which has been deemed, you know, essential businesses. And they just, just yesterday, they closed down, um, uh, tattoo parlors and barber shops and stuff like that. So they're, they're starting to be a little bit more aggressive in New York state. I know in New York city, it's kind of a, you know, it's a shithouse and, and they, they acted slowly. Uh, um, but the news, the local news has been pretty good in terms of, you know, what's going on. And New York's a different situation. You know, I talk to a lot of people in the Midwest and it's not as like, you know, people who aren't as close together, these rural areas are not really seeing, you know, what's going on, but in New York, it's pretty, it's intense. It's intense. And yeah, over here in Washington, it feels like, it feels like nothing, or at least where I'm at in Olympia, it feels like nothing has changed. I still see the same number of people at the grocery stores. I still see the same number of cars driving around, I, you know, people walking around playing golf. I, my shop's not far from a golf course. Um, you know, it, it, to me, like it doesn't, it doesn't look like anybody's made any adjustments. Um, and it doesn't make sense to mm. me. Um, because it's, I feel like it's, this if you're gonna make an adjustment and stick to your stick to your house like unfortunately like yeah sure you don't like people telling you what to do or you know you get bored but that's too bad like you got to do your part to try to help everybody keep from keep from you know people unnecessarily getting sick because what's crazy to think about is uh, and I don't mean to bring it down but it's just like you know the number of people who are not gonna make it through this who maybe have passed unnecessarily because they were unnecessarily exposed to something. Mm. You know, it's, it's crazy to think about that. How many of those people are going to be? Well, obviously that's the case, but the real issue is, is what we're trying to, what the concept of this concept of, and I talk about in the next podcast is the concept of flattening the curve is to not over you're, you're, some of you might not get sick at all. Most of you might not get sick of all. I'm, my fingers are crossed as I say that. The idea is you, you don't want the entire population of your neighborhood swarming a hospital. So that's right. that's the concept. So, you know, New York is different. You know, it's it's getting to the point now where the dingus working at the grocery store is now a first responder. You know, it's it's uh, I've been going to the gro- I've been going to the grocery store for our family and for my mother. And it's bizarre in there. It's super bizarre. Everything's, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's missing. Uh, I talked to the butcher. I'm going to take care of him. I'm making something for him. Um, he's been amazing. But it's hilarious because these dorky kids who, you know, I, I know. I mean, I don't know them, but I mean, I'm friendly with them. Um, they've become first responders, you know, and it's just like they're stocking the shelves and keeping things going and people are walking around with masks on and gloves. And I, my, my Hillary, my wife told me to wear gloves when I go in there and I'm, I got wiping shit down all the time. And we're, we have, you know, it's, it's, it's totally different. And all the stores are, are different and people are walking around a little bit disheveled. I've been uh, coming home early and my daughter and I have been doing two walks a day with the dogs. And then a funny thing is, is, 
there's tons of people walking their dogs and my dogs are so aggressive on the leash like they bark and one of them sounds literally like a werewolf and before we were so embarrassed but now my daughter and I are like yo we got some fucking road dogs here we got no social me- social distancing is enforced by this fucking monster so that's it's uh you know and uh, you know we're, it's it's bizarre, and you know, <clears throat> my wife really didn't really want me talking too much about what she's doing. But you know, the healthcare system is in New York is you know they're concerned. There's not the leadership from the top down is not it's not lockstep with you know as a, in state as you know the statewide regulations, and I think that's one of the reasons why it's concerning because there's you know, and this is this is a problem in all parts of government and stuff like that there's not this one person talking and being reassuring i I think it's the same everywhere we're in these crazy unprecedented times where people don't know what to do this nobody's planned this out in advance you know but i think you know we can all try that you know this whole thing if like gives you lemons you know make lemonade i think if we're if we're locked down we're having we're having to be confined to a house or or whatever it may be, we can maybe try and use this time to to level up. Maybe learn whether it's new skills or you know to reconnect with family, whatever it may be. So you know, try and take what little positives there are and run with them. I'm convinced that this is going to lead to incredible creativity of of people. Of of I think new art is going to come out that's going to be very inspiring. I think new music is going to come out that's going to be very inspiring. I think we're going to think about ways in which what we need and what we deserve and what we are really focusing on like our chain we're going to change our minds are going to change in terms of what we really do need and what we don't need and i think that this is going to be a great opportunity i mean like to this morning <clears throat> i was walking the dogs and i was talking to my wife i was like you know i have these ideas I'm, i got a couple meetings with well, meetings phone meetings with a couple of different organizations and i thought you know what i'm going to get back into watercoloring my instead of being on the phone all the time I'm going to get back into watercoloring and working on my mm. book. You know, this watercolor book I'm supposed to be, do- I was supposed to be doing, but now I have no excuse. Yeah. So we're, you know, we're mm. making plans. Hillary wants to make a raised garden in the backyard. So we're going to, I'm getting the, bringing the, the measuring tape back and we're going to start to plan it out, how we would do it and stuff like that. And, you know, this is going to be a great time for people to, I think the creativity is going to come from this. And, and I'm, I'm very, I was talking to my kid. My kid's 15. She's pissed off. She's so pissed off. It's hilarious. And the reason why she's pissed off is this is their first year in high school. And she's been having a great year. She's got new friends she likes. She's doing well in school. She likes the classes. It's great. Totally the opposite of what my wife and I had. And she's fucking pissed because she's got all this. All she did the last week, she's been doing homework. And she's been cursing up a storm. And every time it's even funnier and funnier because she's just like, you know. She's just stringing words together, just like, yo, that's, that's what, what are you talking about? Come on, man. But, um, the, on a funny note is, so she gets to the week Friday night, she gets an email from the gym teacher and the gym teacher writes, you know, you guys got to, you know, join me on, you know, we're going to do a Google classroom, you know, workout session. And she just looks at me. She's like, this fucking guy has been smoking weed from Monday to Thursday. And somebody actually checked up on him. This is some bullshit. This is some bullshit. This is you come on a Friday night telling me you got to do you got them to do jumping jacks in front of in the fucking in front of the camera. Get the fuck out of here, man. She was pissed. She was like, you know, this guy has just been day drinking and smoking weed all week, and someone said something. Yeah, 
Asshole. You know, I think it's interesting what you said about the creativity coming out of this. So I think, first of all, we're probably going to have a baby boom in nine months' time. Um, this, the, the divorce rate is probably going to go through the roof too. Oh, dude, <laughs> dude. People are unraveling. Yeah, but with creativity, I mean, you, you mentioned music. So I, I play a little bit of, sort of guitar, piano and drums and sing a little bit and that kind of thing. But already I've had a few people say to me, let's do something. So, you know, I'll send you a, a garage band file. You add a track, send it back to me and we'll send it to someone. And, and already I'm seeing that, you know. So, you know, people are far more, far more talented than me. I think that there's going to be some incredible stuff being done just out of necessity because people, what are people going to do with their time? But I think we can all level up. Um, and if you're a knife maker, how are you going to level up? Well, you know what? You know what's coming? Everybody's using lasers and so on to get their uh, their, their blanks made. And you can go to KnifePrint. KnifePrint.com, completely free to go on and you can teach yourself CAD. 2D CAD, you can teach yourself designing, how to design a knife in the browser, nothing to download. Go take a look at knifeprint.com. You've got the time to learn a new skill, and I think this would be a great one to do. And I've, I've got actually a little bit of a list here of things that are free, that you know, to, to, to skill up, or whether you just want to waste your time sitting on the sofa or whatever. Skillshare, that's, they're given 30 days for free. So you can go on Skillshare, and there's, there's anything you want to learn. It's all there. There's video courses on anything. Skillshare.com, um, lots of like free TV apps that you know, Apple TV Plus you can get free for thirty days. Netflix you can get three for thirty days. Um, Adobe's Creative Cloud things like Photoshop and Illustrator you can get that free for thirty days. Um, I think if we all use this time to upskill ourselves, I think great habits could be formed in you know let, let's say twelve. We don't know how long it's going to last. Let's say twelve weeks. If you if you form a good habit now, that could change your life. So you, you know, make lemonade when the world gives you lemons. Use the time and improve yourself. That's what I say. Yeah, get get off the couch and stop. Take that bong out of your mouth, Nate. I know you're you're. That's what you're doing, Nate Zimmerman. <laughs> Take that bong out of your mouth and learn something. Yeah. Some of you people will actually maybe become artists. Yeah. Silence. <laughs> but but get out of your head as well. No, when I say get out of your head, I don't mean on the bong. <laughs> I mean stop thinking about the impending doom, which oh. are all. So you know. Uh, what have you guys seen, I don't know, on TV lately that, you know, you could maybe recommend? I'm going to kick off with Servant on Apple TV, which was, I think it was a 12-part thing. Amazing. The quality, it was amazing. Um, Servant, the morning show was great too. Um, I watched a movie yesterday for the first time in a long, long time. Um, Spencer Confidential on Netflix with Mark Wahlberg. Complete. What's it's, that? It's like an action film, but there's a bit of comedy in it. Um, just something to take your mind off. Of everything, you know, I completely sort of lose yourself in a film. So, anything you guys have seen that you could recommend? I've started I've been listening eating and drinking to... a lot. <laughs> I've, been and... I've I started listening to this podcast called Stuff You Should Know. Oh, I, know I don't know who the the broadcasting network is or anything like that. It's just the show is called Stuff You Should Know. I've only listened to a couple episodes. I don't even know who the ho what the hosts' names are. Um, but I just listened to the history of the soda fountain or the, the American history of soda. It's, it was pretty funny to hear these guys just kind of banter back and forth. And, but they're also sharing like factual information. So you can kind of be a, a little bit of a, a armchair knowledge. Um, you have a little bit of that. Um, so you have some conversation over, over Skype with people. Zoom. Yeah. Zoom. Yeah. But other than that, I haven't, I, I I haven't really been watching t 
the new Outlander series is is going on right now. So my wife and been, my wife and I have been watching Outlander, which is on Stars. Um, but that's basically it. I was speaking to Toma yeah. from uh, Florentine because he's on a complete house lockdown as well, and he's got a small child as well. And he was saying already, you know, mm. day you know day three, day four, you know, what do you do with your kids? You're starting to run out. Um, so we were talking about you know TV stuff and that kind of thing, and um, he's all about uh, Disney Plus, which uh, launches I think within a few days, and they're going to have all the old Disney films as well as all the new uh, Star Wars stuff and all the, the Marvel stuff, um, and uh, most of these yes. things are given sort of free thirty day trials and stuff anyway. So you know, there's, there's plenty out there to I did that. keep you occupied. We did Disney Plus for a free thirty days when I was I actually had the flu a few uh, a month or two ago, and I binge watched a lot of stuff that I was like, I gotta be out of my mind. I haven't watched any TV in the past week. I've I've just been cooking, and I've been drinking a lot. I'm not, and I, I have a feeling that and I have a feeling that uh, that uh, people are gonna start to you know. I think not me. I actually had a conversation with my wife, and she said, "I said you don't you don't think I'm drinking too much because before all this, I was really kind of like abstaining and just like, and then all of a sudden, it's like I got to get a growler from this guy, I got to get a growler from that guy, I got to get you know <laughs> helping the wine guy, helping these guys. You, you got to post about him, but you got to you got to show up too. I, I tell you what, I drank so much. I've been drinking so much beer lately, and and eating so much like comfort food. I'm never going to need the toilet paper. I am fucking locked up. <laughs> I am locked up. I, I swear to God. I swear to God. I've been cooking. We've been making pasta, making Let, pizza. Let's, I let's mean, talk shit. about that bolognese that you posted. That was bullshit, that bolognese. That was weak. Oh. What are you weak. talking about? Oh. you talking yes, to me? Jesus. you talking to me? What was so oh, weak about man, it? Man, man. It, I don't know. It, it was weak. It was weak. <laughs> hey, man. Hey man, I'll blow your doors off. My, my fucking pasta bolognese will blow your doors off. Uh, you kidding I can feel me? The bolognese off coming very soon. Oh, dude, you wouldn't even, dude, you wouldn't even stand a chance. Go tell, do you tell me how you make bolognese? bolognese. Okay, there's. Go okay. ahead. So you, first of all, you're gonna get, you know, your your mirepoix. So you get your, your celery, your carrots, and you cook right down, cook right, right, right down. Okay, right, right. I'm then with you. Get your ground beef, maybe some ground pork with that as well, but mainly beef. Right. Um, I tend to do it in two ways. So I'll, I'll, I'll split it into two batches. One I'll roast in the oven so you get a really dark roasted flavor. And the other one I'll put in the pan with a mirepoix um, so that cooks right through. Okay. Add them both together. The roasted one will give you a bit more texture. I think uh-huh. this was the bit. You're looking at your picture, I think this is the bit maybe you were missing out. Um, Go lots ahead. Lots and lots and lots of red wine. Get it really deep and dark and oof. Okay. Um don't, don't you get your hand on your pants right now? I, I, mean, I, I take bolognese very seriously. <laughs> if you get deep and dark, you call it deep and dark. We're going into dick jokes. Come on, Ed. Go um, ahead. A big, big handful of Parmesan. This is in before you put the tomatoes in. Straight into the wine. Okay. So that gives you that saltiness too. Okay. Two big cans of good, good quality uh, canned tomatoes. None of these. Yeah, you already fucked up. None of up. these chopped. You already fucked up. Go ahead. No, no. Canned tomatoes. You've got to use canned tomatoes. None. Not that part. You missed the milk. <sighs> Oh, you don't know that that's a part of the fucking bolognese, do you? A little milk. No, That's what the parmesan does. That gives you that dairy, that kind of bit. But anyway. Get the fuck out of here. Good canned tomatoes. None of of these crappy chopped tomatoes, because the chopped tomatoes, they always use use the shitty ones. So we get the full ones and let them break down slowly. Um, In a good, good, solid pan. So everything's done in this one pan. You don't need any of the other pans. Yeah. Let this cook down for a good sort of two, three hours, just lightly, lightly blipping away, lightly, lightly blipping away. 
loads Listen how, of, how frothy you are loads right now. Of, <laughs> you are so you're getting frothed up go ahead loads and loads of ground pepper yeah. loads and loads okay towards the end no bay leaf no thyme uh, no maybe a bit of bay sometimes certainly no thyme certainly no thyme oh this is now we're in bullshit territory are you crazy <laughs> no milk no thyme all of a sudden you're the best bolognese get the fuck out of here go ahead um and at the end what kind of pasta Oh, you're not using spaghetti. You're using you. You did that bit right. You had the tagliatelle. That was that was right. Oh, you thank you. Right. Thank you. Or thank if it, or maybe something like um thank like you. a rigatoni if you want to read a sort of robust sauce, you know. But uh, but get the but fuck anyway, out of here. Anyway, rigatoni. That's, that's my bother. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> All right, there you go. There you go. So shall Fine. I tell you? I got one more thing to say before we move on with you know the show. This is what we're here for to do the show. But I, I was just doing a bit of research this morning, and it was. The last 10 years on average, there's been close to five, like half a million, 500,000 deaths due to common flu. And the flu's been around for near enough 100 years now. That's, that's millions of deaths. So knowing what we know now, wouldn't it be great if we could have stamped that out, stamped out the flu before it took a grip on, you know, everybody sort of around the world every year. It affects every community every single year. But I think we're at a point where we've got a chance to to prevent this COVID-19 from, from getting a grip on us and becoming something that could kill millions over the next decade, just as the common flu does. So I think everybody needs to keep their distance, wash your hands, don't touch yours or anybody else's face, and just respect other people's space and, and their beliefs about the thing as well, because... There's no harm in being overcautious, and what might seem crazy to you may bring comfort to others. So, so don't be a dick. Be nice. Be helpful. And together, we're all going to get through it. Let's get on with the show. I would just like to say one thing. Sure. I appreciate everything you said, but I know what you did. What was that? You had a raging hard on talking about bolognese, and you just hopped into the shower with the "Don't touch anybody." We're all in this together. Bullshit. I know what you did. You try to calm yourself down. I know exactly what you did, Craig Lockwood. You son of a bitch. You get a big old boner, and then you hopped in the shower to cool yourself off. I'm with you. Go ahead, whatever it takes. Hey man, can I ask you a question? All right, you fuckers. This is what we're doing here. We're gonna do some news real quick. Oh Oh, yeah. Sorry, Christ. You're right. You're right. <laughs> let me let me pull up the Don't edit it out. <laughs> Don't edit it. This is Marco Malmasi with some quick news. Unfortunately, I think basically all the events in the world are shut down for now, so there's nothing to share from the calendar. Uh, but one uh, bright side, our friend and listener of the show, uh, Francesca of uh, at Wilburn Forge Leather is part of a leather makers competition over uh, on the Instagram uh, account at American Tanning. Uh, she's number 28 of I don't know how many people competing for this thing. Um, and basically they're they're pitting their leather work against each other and she does phenomenal work making wallets and sheaths for some of the best knives in the world. And so if you could go over to American Tanning, uh, and I got a link here that we can put in the show notes, uh, and I'll also actually put it on my Instagram profile. Uh, but the, the contest ends at the end of the month on the 31st. And basically, whoever gets the most likes on their post over at American Tanning uh, will will be the winner. And so uh, let's show her some love, show her some support in these trying times. And really, like, you know, you got time 
to pop over real quick and just give a like. Come on. Uh, so, yeah. Go give uh, Francesca of Wellborn Forge Leather some love. Uh, I got a belt I, from her I'm wearing right now. I got a belt from nice. them when I first met Aaron. He started selling belts, and I was and uh, yeah. I've been wearing his belt for quite a while. How many extra holes She's you got in that lately? <laughs> I was just about to say, you little bastard. I I actually lost all this weight. I had to pop a hole, and then after the past week, I back I backtracked a hole. So I had to pop a hole and I backtracked a hole because I am fat as fuck right now. Fat as fuck. <sighs> Uh, Carbo loading. I've been eating. You have no idea. It has been like when you when you start sell, you know helping your friends. All of a sudden you go, oh, let's have some wings and hamburgers and pizza and and all. I mean, I mean, it's a. It's, I mean, I had four growlers in three days. Oh, Jesus Christ. P.S. Wow. Yeah, but it's delicious. Work. And my That's wife is just like, work. go ahead, whatever makes you happy. I'm not judging. You. I'm like, all right, the wheels are off. You fuck. <laughs> and obviously that that weak bolognese you have to eat as well. Hey, man. Can I ask you a question? <laughs> you son of a bitch, you. This is, hey, man, can I have can I ask you a question? This is the time where you can ask us a question if you go to Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram, and then you can DM us your questions. We'll try to answer them. We'll see what happens. You never know. You never know. Uh, the first one comes from Josh Hyatt. He says, hey, man, can I ask you a question? I subscribe to the Japanese stone methods of sharpening, and I keep seeing the, those Tormek grinders, and I can't wrap my head around why they are advantageous. Is the edge actually left hollow ground? Thanks, y'all. I mean, at at the bevel, at that ultimate bevel that you're sharpening at, it's so narrow that it and the, and the Tormek wheels are so large that. It might as well be flat. It, you know, technically, maybe it is just the slightest bit convex or whatever hollow ground. But at, you know, at a, a ten in or ten uh, thousandths of an inch bevel, that doesn't mean anything. I would say. I agree. I mean, you're yeah. just you're you're only sharpening the the pinnacle. I agree. It's not the whole face of the blade, so I don't think it's a problem. I mean, you're creating a. You're creating a just a nonstop surface to you know to that. Oh, who cares? I I, I agree. I, agree. <laughs> I think there's a lot of <laughs> people either love a tormac or they just don't get on with them at all. Um, and I'm in the I'm in the, I'm in the love park. I I love tormacs because uh, in the love park. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think. I I use them because I generally do sort of um, at least a dozen at once, you know, normally a few dozen. And I just think it's nice to get into that rhythm. So I've got I've got three different – well, I've got three different grits. So on a normal Tormac, you'll have one stone which you can dress to, put, to form two different grips, uh, grits. But I've also got the Japanese whetstone as well, which I put at the end. Um, and it's just nice to get that flow going. I've, I've never been comfortable with um, sharpening on the grinder. Um, I've just never really had a good, and that, that's just down to me because you know I, I haven't put the practice in, I suppose. Um, but I thought I find with the Tormac, it's just repeatable. It's just I, I personally love it. Yeah, there you go. There we go. All right, this next one is from Dustin Young. He says, "Hey cuties, I have a question. When putting scales on a tapered tang, full tang." Uh, knife, do you have to drill the holes in the scales before tapering the tang? Uh, how does tapering the tang influence the scale to pin fit? 
I'd never given that. I thought. still don't get this. I still don't get this thing because in, in in we've answered this before, and I'm still scratching my head because if you have a tapered tang, <clears throat> the way I the way I drill my holes for a flat tang, full tang, and my wood is my wood is square. I put two tiny bits of uh, crazy glue in between to hold them together. I fix my I fix my bolster. I get it all ground down. I fit it on. I clamp it to the to my the tang of my knife. And the tang holes are the lead through holes for my wood. I clamp them together and I drill through. When you separate them, then you have a nice fit and your pins or your corbies work 100%. I, in my mind, I think if you put that little taper and, and explain it to me, when you have that little taper in between, you're changing the angles of the holes in your scales. So I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm looking forward to this answer. Mm. I think you'd – I'd never give it any thought, really, but I think what you'd have to do is lay a, a handle, um, let's say, under your tang. So you drill through your tang, um, through your handle, and then you'd have to flip over and do the other the other side of your handle. Um, but then what you're not going to have line up is is sort of the um, – the edges of of your handle, you know. So I think you'd have to you'd right. have to do those holes first, and then do your sort of your, your shaping of the handle afterwards, um, if that makes sense. Because yeah, I'd never given that real thought because the pin wouldn't be going in we, straight. We yeah. asked that question when Alec was on, mm. and I and I still scratched my head from the whole thing. But fine, what can you do? Have you done one I mean, Morocco? Any tape? When I did, yeah. He does them. Yeah, yeah. That last, uh, that small batch I did, they were all tapered tangs. And uh, what I did was I tapered the tangs first and then drilled the holes. Uh, I, let's see. I actually, so what I did is I, I just used some quick grips and uh, uh, clamped on a handle scale on one side. It didn't really matter to me. One side or the other mm-hmm. of the tang, drilled the holes in that, and then used that as a template for the other. Now it wasn't the recessed holes yet. It was just the you know I was using the what is it three sixteenths head um, Corby bolts and or sorry I was using the quarter inch head Corby bolts. So um, so I had the three sixteenths hole. So I was only drilling the three sixteenths hole through one handle scale and then using that handle scale as a template for the other. And then I went and um, recessed the holes. Um, but I've never and I don't. Yeah, I've never had a problem with the holes lining up or anything like that ever. Um, I don't know if that has to do with the way that because I hollow grind the tang when I do a hidden t- or when I do a full tang, um, and so the I guess kind of where the holes in the tang is, I could imagine it being a real problem if it was a long, uh, deep hole that you had to then connect on either side and you had tapers on either side of that hole. But because the web, like the webbing is only like 20, 30 thousandths of an inch thick, you know, there's not that much engagement or that, that much, uh, I guess to get in the way or kind of redirect the way the, the pins line them. I've, I've literally never had a problem with it. Well, you can oversize the holes in your tang. I mean, I've done that when, mm-hmm. if I've, if I've made a slight error and my Corby bolts are too tight, Corby bolts are too tight. I'll get a die grinder out and I'll just open up the holes in the tang. That doesn't make a difference. Sure. In my opinion, I would think that if the, the, the tang is acting as a, is changing, it's not all of a sudden, it's not the, they're not parallel. They're in a, in a, you know, they're, 
the the hole from the te- from the handles through the tang to the other side of the hole is almost like a radius. Mm. Yeah, that's the question I have. Like, I, I don't know how you would do it with a Corby bolt. That's I, unless you you're oversizing the mm-hmm. in, I, unless you're oversizing the through holes, and yeah, then you're no, leaving your countersink. I've I've never oversized anything. Just I guarantee the same way you do it for a, a non taper tang, you do it the same way for a taper tang. It's gonna work exactly the same. It, I know it doesn't make sense, but it works. And I I've never had a product ever. There you have it. I just don't know. do it. I don't That's the answer. You. The answer is do it the same way as if it do was do it the same not way, and tapered. then just complain to us later that didn't work. You <laughs> fucking guys. <laughs> yeah. Moonshine Metalworks asks, hi, gents. Wow. I'm wanting to make a carving set, a knife and a fork for my dad for Christmas this year. And I'll be doing as much as possible forged, but my dad's an ex-farmer, so I'm reluctant to make him a carbon steel set. So I think it'll have to be stainless. I don't know where the link is there. An ex-farmer, so it'll have to be stainless. Yeah. I don't know. Steve. Steve. Steve also is one of the hosts of tools fools with tools Mm. podcast so sorry sorry anyway he's asking any tips on which flavor of stainless is best for forging um and heat treating anything to be aware of for the whole process and he says keep up the great work so what flavor of stainless for an ex-farmer if that makes a difference (laughs) (laughs) i don't quite get the link there between he couldn't have a carbon steel because he's a farmer that's a bit strange (laughs) Well, yeah. Steve, you're gonna have to answer that one, Steve. <sighs> uh, well, when it comes to forging stainless, forging stainless is a huge pain in the ass. Um, I don't know why. I mean, if if I decided that I had to make it from stainless, I'd probably just do stock removal. Um, the forging isn't gonna benefit you really at all, uh, especially if you're starting to work with stainless, because uh, you know, part of one of the elements, the chromium in the stainless that makes that steel stain so much less than carbon steel is also a carbide precipitator. And so, uh, it, it forms large carbides, uh, or forms carbides, sometimes large, depending on the, uh, the type of steel, um, really readily. And, and that ties up the carbon in that steel. And when you tie up the carbon in carbide, you know, it's, it's hard to break those, if not almost impossible to break those carbides back down so that you can get a proper hardening of your blade. And so I would suggest, uh, you just stock remove it. Don't worry about forging it. Um, that was an excellent explanation. And I'm going to backtrack to Steve who is a blacksmith. He works with Alex Pohl. He's in Alex Pohl's shop. Sure. He's he's not going to do fucking stock removal. I know this guy. Listen to me. <laughs> Listen to me, Steve. I want you to... I know you squinched up your face when he said it. I know that po- big ponytail <laughs> of yours. You're looking foolish with that thing. You, I know you're mad. Don't be mad. Just give the ex-farmer dad the carbon steel shit that you know what you're doing with. Wait. That's the answer. Did you say he's got a ponytail? Uh, I thought we had a rule on this show, no questions from anybody with ponytails. If we don't have that rule, I think we need to make hmm. this rule now. Well, we go in. That, fine. I, I didn't know we had, I didn't know we, had, we were so rule abiding, but fine. <laughs> Steve, just stop fucking around and just, just force the things with the shits you know what you're doing. And, you know, 
ex-farmer might have to be a farmer again. <laughs> let's, let's, let's not fucking, let's not fucking rule it out. You know right. what he's well, doing. You know what you're doing. Use what you're a, comfortable with. As an ex-farmer, I, I feel like an ex-farmer would appreciate good carbon steel tools. Um, uh, maybe so that's why, why he's an ex-farmer. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, ex for some reason. Uh, talking about just just do what you do. You do your thing. Do your thing. Talking about tools, Sorry. I want to talk to you about my grinder that I use every single <laughs> oh. day. Oh, okay. Sorry. It's from Clarix Metalworks. Um, they're they're hand built in Bulgaria, where they make everything in their own factory, down to the contact wheels, everything. So go take a look at ClarixMetalworks.com. They make this grinder called the BG Pro. Um, it's what I've got. They've made some upgrades since since the one I've had, and mine is mine is perfect. They've made some upgrades, so it's it's one big sort of aluminium case into it all. Um, they all come with VFDs with forward reverse and these incredible tool rests that can go anywhere. Um, but they also make amazing uh, contact wheels as well. Um, they're great. There's a, there's a 5% discount if you use Knife Talk 5, and that's clarixmetalworks.com. Go take a look. The next question comes from LS Blades. Do you guys use so much epoxy that there's a bunch of squeeze out when they're gluing up the scales? I like to keep the Damascus pattern on the edges of the tang, but it's hard to make them look clean and get all the glue off. I've done my due diligence researching, but I haven't found the right forums or videos showing how that's done. Thanks. So how do you do how do you do a nice, clean, easy Damascus full tang knife where you're not fucking up all that nice Damascus with your tang, with your scales in epoxy? Yeah, I mean, I would have thought that he'd be grinding down his handles once once they're on anyway. So, you know, the thing about etching his Damascus, I think that's a different question. But with regards to the actual epoxy, how much are you using? Jeez, I put the lightest of film, and that's what they recommend. All the epoxy manufacturers will all say that the lightest of films, that's all you need. So I'm getting basically no squeeze out. Um, and if I do, it's just one quick wipe and it, and it's gone. Um. Yeah, maybe use use less. Not me. Use less epoxy, maybe. <laughs> Not me. I'm all over the place. I've, I've like, seen I yours. Was, geez, wanna, before and after. I'm a fucking ah oh, man. I'm slathering it on. I'm. It's all over the place. It's a, it's a wreck. I love it. <laughs> Spooge City. Love the stuff. Oh, jeez. Oh, um, there you go. There he is. There he is. <laughs> down, so. <downtown>. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I would say if you're going to try to keep the Damascus pattern, ideally, I would imagine that you have done some pre-shaping on the handle so that when you go to glue up, you're not doing any shaping afterward. Um, and that will require, especially if you're using Corby bolts, um, um, you have some temporary, I guess, bolts that you can remove after you've done shaping. Um, and you can do that by just trimming them down and recutting kind of like the flathead uh, screwdriver slot. Um, but you know, I don't know. Like I always have some sort of squeeze out on, on the blades. And if you have some acetone and paper towels ready, and then again, as, as long as you're not going too crazy, um, you should be able to wipe all of that off pretty readily. Um, after you get, you know, you get your bolts tightened down and everything. Um, one tip, uh, that I think somebody had sent into the show, but something I, I, my former shopmate Jamie Lundell used to do all the time is, uh, after he would glue everything up, he would have some, actually he'd have some Johnson's paste wax handy and, uh, he would slather that all over on the outside of the handle, 
um, after the glue up because wherever that paste wax would come into contact with the epoxy. Now it's not getting under the scales because, or, uh, you know, into the handle because that's all blocked off and, and, you know, bolted down. So it's not getting in there, but it's getting all over the outside. Um, and it's not going to hurt the, the handle material, but it keeps the epoxy from setting. And that way either, it either wipes off or very easily is quote unquote chiseled away. Uh, when I say chisel, I mean, use like a wooden popsicle stick or something that's not going to mar and scratch your surface, your, uh, your handle material or, or, or your blade finish. And you should be able to get all of that off there pretty readily. There you go. Question answered. Uh, I don't in instant news. Oh, nine. This next question is from instant news. I don't know how to say it. News. Uh, he says, Hey cuties, I'm making my first chef and steak knife set and using eighth inch 1084, which I have, I have from making my hunting camping knives. I feel like this may be a little on the thicker side. I want to possibly go thinner before I make them out of stainless and send them out to be heat treated. What size stock do you use for yours? I don't, I think eighth inch is great. What do you For steak think? knives? Yeah. Yeah, what's that? Just over three millimeters, I think. Three and a third roundabout millimeters. Um, I think that would be fine for a, a chef knife. Maybe as, I mean, when you when you're talking steak knife, are you talking like a big sort of butchering steak knife, or are you talking a a table knife? Um, I would. I, I, I assume it was table knife. Table knife. Yeah. Okay. May, maybe a little thick for a table knife, but um, certainly not undoable. Um, but personally, I use a I don't know in inches two point three millimeter stock for both chef knives and for table knives actually. Um, which is which is a fair bit thinner, um, but that's just the, the sort of style that I have. I've certainly seen steak knives which are far fatter and they, they work just as well, depending on your grind. Um, yeah, I wouldn't, I maybe wouldn't be too worried about that. A three, three and a bit male would be fine. Yeah. For I these days, I like sixteenth inch uh, for steak knives, and I heat treat them full thickness because sixteenth inch ain't a whole lot there anyway um and it, it's pretty quick to it's pretty quick to get them down to a, to a, where they need to be for stainless uh, i've been using i've been going back and forth with uh 330 seconds for my uh chef knives and then for shorter chef knives like eight from eight inch chef knives and under i've been actually making 16th inch chef knives which i like a lot um yeah there you go whoa those are thin super thin yeah, yeah, thin, and I don't know. And if you do a if you do a short chef knife with sixteenth, you don't have to do a full grind. Yeah, you don't have to go all the way to the, the spine. That's you know, one you're, you're, one point six millimeter. Wow, that's super thin. Yeah, it's nice. Feels good. And then I keep it, you know, halfway from the from the bottom of the tang. So I mean, if you were looking at the knife, you know, like halfway from where your if it was a hidden tang knife, where your your finger is. I'm full from there to the spine, and I'm getting, you know, very similar geometry to, you know, if it was a full flat grind on the 330 seconds. Nice. Nice. Thin. Yeah, I, th I think the main point there is, is it's going to depend on your grind. I, I don't think it would be too thick at the spine. Um, yeah, just maybe, you know, grind quite high, and you should be good to go. Yeah. The next one is from no Novaction. Um, hey, guys. Or Novacation. Or Novacation. <laughs> No, there's no A in there. No vacation. No, there's no A after the C. No vaction, I think. No, <laughs> no 
no vacation without the A. No vacation. Something. I think he doesn't know how to spell. Yeah, That's right. Like that. There you go, no vacation. <laughs> We're with you. Hey, guys, not I'm sure not. if this was already covered. Uh, I was wondering, is there a higher risk to blade warp in, in a horizontal tank versus a vertical tank? He said, thanks and stay safe. We talked about this, I think, a few episodes ago, didn't we, where um, I was I, – I mean, I use a horizontal tank, and I think I asked the question where, whether there's a, an advantage to using a vertical tank. can't remember what the answer was. I, I think it, the bigger – you know, if, if, your knife, if your knife gets super long or where it's basically a short sword, it might be a problem. But even still, like if you think about Japanese katanas, like they were edge – you know, they were quenching those in horizontal tanks, um, edge in first, you know. And so, you know, maybe it's not that big of a deal as long as you know what you're doing. But I think for most of the knives that a lot of us are making, an edge uh, or a horizontal tank where you're quenching edge first doesn't matter. I think that makes a lot uh, of sense storage-wise as well because obviously it uses a lot less room. Uh, yeah, storage-wise, uh, you know, that, yes. <laughs> Nothing to add. There you go. <laughs> Zero. <clears throat> is this one mine? All yours. right. Next one comes from Finite. Finite. Here's a question. Other than making money, what's the hardest thing to do in knife making? I'm getting the hang of Damascus and need something to vaguely aim for. What's the hardest thing you got in your air in your end of knife making, guys? The hardest thing. I'd. For- Consistent finishes um, whilst working on big batches, mm. maybe. Um, yeah, that's the probably the bit I struggle with most um, because I want to make everything identical in a batch. Um, and, yes, consistent finishes, maybe, for me. Um, yeah. I've been spending a lot more time uh, freehand grinding the past few months. And I'm getting good results, but it's the most stressful to me um, to adjust after each pass. Uh, it's not, you know, and, and I've been getting better at it. But I mean, obviously, based on the Knife Talk BA knife, I tried to do a scanny grind. And it was like, I was telling you, it's like, it was like trimming your sideburns. All of a sudden, I, I would go from <laughs> one side to the other. And next thing you know, I had fucking, you know, shaved my whole head. So I, 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 uh, I think that that kind of, that part is the most difficult for me. I, I don't think I can ever really do a good job doing like a Scandi grind or um, something like that. Um, when you say that's when you say the hardest. Freehand, Grinding's hard for me. When you say freehand, do you mean without a tool rest? Is that what you mean? Right. Yeah. No tool rest. Okay, yeah. So that's the hardest part for me. Yeah. For me, uh, probably one of the hardest things that I don't do very often is guards. Uh, and I think part of that is just my lack of experience more than anything. But I think long-term wise, like things I would love to learn to do, um, there are all kinds of folding knives, lockback knives that require a, a lot of tuning in the spring of the tension bar at the spine and where everything locks in together, everything like just perfect. Uh, those are, I, I feel like folding knives are, are some of the more challenging things, especially to be made by hand. Uh, that that anybody could try to do, um, but uh, that those are those are long term like you know next 
20 years goals to figure out how to make a full and not that I want to necessarily getting the folding knives. Uh, but I have always really liked a nice folding knife and I would like to probably, I would like to make one for myself. Yeah. Yeah. Folding knives are when you have those big, thick calloused burnt up and cracked fingers, it ain't fun. Yeah. I, I tried one and I, you know, hucked it across the room. Not interested anymore. Yeah. I want to get into it though. <laughs> yeah, me too. I've tried and it's, yeah. It's a different kind of precision to what I do. And yeah, massive respect to people who make those great folding knives. Yeah. Shout out to Eddie Jits. He makes great folding knives. So is Built Sharp. And who else makes great folding knives? Let's name a few. Aaron Wilburn makes some kick-ass folding knives too. So is Josh Smith. Bruce Barnett Josh Scott. down in Josh Australia. Josh Scott doesn't make folding knives. You googly-eyed fuck. <laughs> All right, this next one is from Handsome Mick. This is, what is a good way to finish the surface of my beginner projects like hooks and bottle openers, etc. If I'm uncertain what type of metal it is, I'd like to use them for presents while I'm learning. I'm working with a lot of scrap metal I've collected, like small rebar and some square mild steel pieces. Cheers and stay safe. So surface finishing, it sounds like. Yeah, for forge stuff. Yeah, planishing. What's the? How do you planish and keep things nice and clean? Well, Jeffy. one thing, Mick, that I like to do with bottle openers and stuff is I wire brush everything, and then sometimes if it's too shiny, I'll hit the whole thing up with some gun blue. Gun blue or oxidizer, it, it changes the color and makes it deep and dark. And then I actually, I actually for my bottle openers... And some other things, I'll warm them up. I got two things. So the bottle openers, I'll warm them up a little bit with a torch, and then I'll hit them with some wax, and then the wax will just kind of melt a little bit, and then sometimes I'll even hit the whole thing afterwards with a torch. So then the mac, the wax just kind of, you know, goes all over the place, and then I'll wipe it off. But I've been doing a lot of, uh, I've been doing a lot of uh, meat hooks and food-safe forge stuff out of steel. And I'm 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 wary about putting any kind of wax or things that are going to touch food. So what I actually started to do was like if you ever um, if you ever if you ever uh, if you have a cast iron pan and you're seasoning the cast iron pan, you clean it up and then you wipe it with some oil and then you put it like food safe oil and then you put it in the oven and then you cook it at like 400 degrees and then let it dry. It'll season the pan. I've been doing that with my meat hooks with mineral oil, food safe mineral oil. And what I'm getting is I'm getting, uh, after I've wire brushed everything, I'm getting that kind of golden um, temper, but also I'm kind of baking in that uh, food-safe oil that you can use. And I actually kind of want to do it with um, some knives at some point where I was thinking about doing, um, actually tempering some brute-to-forge knives in oil, like give them a coat of like mineral oil so I kind of like darken it and lighten it, you know, and see if I can. I, I thought about doing that and trying to create a different kind of color, but you're gonna bake in. You're baking in that that um, that oil, and it kind of gives it a little bit of a protective coat. What if you uh, What if you tried like food grade paraffin wax um, that you Give can it a usually whirl. find? And, like never even the, heard uh, of it. Well, it it's used to be like a canning thing, and preserves. You'd melt some food grade wax over the top, or or you could coat foods in it or usually like fruits or stuff like that um but uh yeah 
you can find it in the in usually I, I usually find it in the top shelf of the canning aisle and it's food grade and so um if you're worried about using what you really want to use wax but um you're worried about the food safety side of it uh paraffin wax there you go food safety i paraffin. think that canning i think canning in the next couple of weeks is going to be big i think people are going to be doing a lot of canning yeah get your jars now get your jars now <laughs> a question this next one is from go on Mariah. oh sorry go on. <laughs> yeah uh this next one is from international underscore roast uh if you guys could have one knife-making superpower, what would it be? We've got one. We've all got one, a superpower. Um, it comes from Indasa, USA. It's So uh, <laughs> the one thing, uh, I'm sure most people are the same, the one thing that I really hate in the shop is is hand sanding. And if I could have a superpower to make hand sanding better, whether that's an extra arm, that would be amazing. But we've, got, we've, we, we've all got a superpower at hand. We've all got rhino wet. Rhinoette's the thing to use for hand sanding. So that gives me superpowers and makes sure I can hand sand that much quicker. Um, yeah. I, I, I generally put my underpants over my jeans and I've got a cape and I, and I throw out the Rhinoette. And I, <laughs> like, like Batman? Yeah, Super yeah. Indasa Man. <laughs> I, I, you, I thought you already have the third arm. <laughs> third leg. <laughs> third leg, that is. Oh, he's got a big penis, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> he's telling you all he's got an enormous penis. <laughs> Tripod, yeah. Dossie USA, makers of right away. Get them at Texas Ferry Supply, you little <laughs> bastards. And if you put in Knife Talk 10, you get 10% off. Yeah, and they do. Uh, Texas Fires Apply do a lot more than just Indasa and Rhino Wet, but they do have every grade of Rhino Wet in stock. Um, but they also do lots of other stuff for knife makers. So go take a look. Texas Fires Supply. There we go. There you go. Homemade Knives asks, if you only had the money or time to do one knife event a year, what would it be? Whether it be a class or a, a would it be blade or would it be a hammer in? And he said, thanks, you rule. So what, what are you going to do? You've got, you've got um, the money and time when you go to, to do one knife-related thing. Where are you going to go? I, I, for myself, personally, I would like to do a hammer in more than over a show because at the hammer in you still get the social aspect uh sometimes they do little mini shows like uh like josh smith's hammer in and uh, ideally hopefully still happening in in july uh he's planning on doing a mini show around it but you also get to learn stuff at the same time um as talking knives and meeting folks so i i, I always enjoy hammering and just for the yeah, I don't know. The, the social and learning aspect of everything. It's a lot of fun. I would definitely say hammering. I have, I have a great time in hammerings, especially when, when my friends are around and we're cooking food and laughing and drinking beer and joking around and forging. I, I, I do enjoy it. I do love going to Blade, though. I love go picking up some wood and pick, picking out some wood. Hard wood. Nothing, Craig? All right, yeah. fine. Yeah. I like to, I'd still go hammering. <laughs> I didn't bite. It's slightly different for me because I'm very sort of cut off here where I am. So regards to sort of community events and hammer-ins, there's, you know, that kind of thing really doesn't happen here unless I'm back in the UK. Um, so the only real thing for me is, is Coutelier, which is like the French version, I suppose, of Blade. It's it's where lots of knife makers come together. Um, but what I find great about that is being able to see lots of suppliers and maybe finding new suppliers of things and seeing interest in materials, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, I don't really have much choice. So for me, you need to be Coutelier. Okay, let's move on. 
Combat abrasives make the world's best abrasive belts for knife makers. Available in any size and at unbelievable prices. Go take a look at CombatAbrasives.com and get 15% off with the promo code KNIFETALK15. Do it now! Hey you, you know what you should do? All right, everybody, this is the part of the show where you give us your tips when it comes to knife making, little hacks and tips that you come up with and figure out and uh, and share with everybody. So this first one is from Backwater Knives. So here's a tip for you. Windex makes a great spray slash lubricant for hand sanding. And I have heard that before. Mm, I, I love Windex. Yeah, I use it quite regularly for hand sanding. It, um, I... I find that it sort of stops the the paper from um clogging up you know you get a bit more life out of the paper now Mareko, i have i have yeah. heard and maybe you can help me on this one i've also heard that windex is very good for when you're taking your you're taking your steel out of the ferric chloride that there's ammonia in it that neutralizes am i wrong is there neutral neutralizing pro- properties yeah. of windex there are, and you actually got to find the the Windex that has the ammonia in it, because they they do have some uh, Windex products that do not have ammonia in them, uh, because people have sensitivities to ammonia. Uh, I so when when I worked for Bob Kramer, we always used, or he always used Windex uh, to neutralize. Um, and I when I first started out on my own, I started out with baking soda water, and then I started using Windex. Cause I thought it would be easier, but I always found that I was getting like some weird funky tarnishing, uh, action happening between the ferric and the Windex. And so I actually stopped using Windex, uh, and I went back to using baking soda water. Um, and I've never, I haven't had any problems with baking soda water after, uh, or at all. So I've just stuck with it and I, I get better results, um, out of my baking soda water so that I basically don't have to do anything to the surface of the knife versus the Windex when it causes that, you know, there's a weird interaction or some tarnishing. You got to get in there and clean it up somehow. My goal is to touch the blade basically not at all after it comes out of the acid. All right, there you are. Extra tip. It's an extra. We've got one more tip from um, Matt Greens. He says one way to draw out a knife extremely close so there's no less so there's less grinding is to use a combination of hammers and a flatter. He says his personal process is drawing out with a cross peen and then plenishing those hits with a rounding hammer. Once that process is done, I use a flatter and dick tongs to hold the knife and hit with a flatter. This will help get the lumps and bumps out and help center your bevels if you've drawn more on one side than the other. You can get down to 0.05 and do normalizing cycles. So that leaves you with plenty to grind, any adjustments, um, but that leaves you plenty to grind any adjustments, but not a ton to hog off overall. And also with that too, it take it takes some practice. So the first few times, don't try and take it to the extreme of thin. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense to you well, guys? My, 100% sense. Yep. Yeah, I, my only concern with that is uh, if you do that with uh, Damascus, um, you, you're going to be getting really close to your finished dimension, and there is definitely a decarb layer you have to get through before you get down to clean Damascus. And if you forge, I, and I've been having this problem lately, I've been trying to take things too close um, in my forging, and then I'm really 
kind of making it more work for myself than I need to, uh, because then I'm really fussing to get through the decarb and keeping everything even. So in Damascus, it, it, if you're going to take the time to make Damascus and forge a blade out of Damascus, um, you might uh, account for a little extra material just to account to account decarb layers so you can get through that very easily, super easily, and uh, and get into some clean steel. But otherwise, if it's mono steel, yeah, you can forge super close because, you know, a hand sanded finish, you don't, you can't really see or don't see the, the difference between decarb material and, and non. So that was that's all. Here we go. Yeah. We've got a, a listener anti-beef, um, which we do occasionally. So beefs is a bit of the show that we do where we talk about things that have been grinding our gears this week. Um, and this one's from Grendel 6x5, or 6x5. He says, I've got an anti-beef for you, about you. Um, I've been a hobby blacksmith since I was 13, and when I started out, I knew nothing about blacksmithing, except that I wanted to do it and learn as much as I could. My dad found the local Abana chapter, and I get to attend several hammerings. They teach him any blacksmithing skill he wanted to learn with one stipulation, and that is that he passed on um, the information to someone else. Since then, I've shared metalworking with anyone who is interested. I hold you, uh, the Knife Talk podcast, in the highest respect for your sharing of skills, tips, tricks, and resources for novices like me. You have the same willingness to teach others that, that they have. So thank you for your hard work on the podcast and your desire to teach those coming after you in the craft of knife making. So thank you, thank you for that, uh, Grendel 6x5. Here you are. Here we go. Very nice. Community Showcase. All right. This is the time in the show where we all tell you of a maker or something going on that we think they deserve your attention. So what do you guys have, gentlemen? I've been sort of off social media really so i haven't really seen um other makers do stuff but what i have seen um which i want to sort of pay attention to is the uh the chefs that have just been making it happen in this this crazy week where a lot of them have been uncertain about the future of their restaurants and how they're going to pay their staff and how they're going to pay their rent that kind of thing um they've just been super super creative so a lot of them are setting up sort of delivery systems and they're doing you know sort of sort of popping so people can come in and just pick up sort of takeaway food and this is stuff that they haven't done before so they've had to sort of learn on their feet really quickly so yeah big shout out to all the chefs out there that have really had to sort of um, make big changes this week and you know through through all of the shit that we're all going through they're, they're still making it happen yeah well it's different here because for sure there's um I know a lot of restaurateurs, most of the restaurateurs in the United States have laid everybody off and there's no, there wasn't, there's not a back, no, there's no backup. Mm. So there's a lot of guys trying to figure out things to do, not only for, for other people, but for the restaurant workers. And I'm just going to hop in with, um, with a organization that I'm working with through my friend, um, Louis Lanza and the guys at Finn and Brew. It's called Million Gallons and they've, want to try to help the restaurant workers immediately who've lost their jobs and they're just trying to create something where they're making soup for people in the service industry and they're trying to there's a lot of great organizations now that are kind of like starting up to help people who've been helping us when 
you know, you know, go to the restaurant and you're feeling lousy or they've helped you or, you know, you have a good time and they're there for you. And now we're trying to go back for them. So I wanted to just give a shout out to million gallons. I'm having a conversation with them today in, in regards to what I can do to help them. And then, uh, but you know, I, I you're a hundred percent right. This is changing the way we see dining. I talked to Tony a lot about it and it's going to, it's not really going to be the same. It's going to, something's going to have to be quite different. Mm. And then just a real quick shout out on knife makers or, or blacksmiths and bladesmiths. There's a guy by the name of Josh Myers. It's Hallows Eve Forge. He's a great guy. He just posted up some, some forgings. He was doing some classic Samuel Yellen style uh, ornamental ironwork. And he's a great guy. Doesn't have a lot of followers. He's a great blacksmith and he's doing great stuff. And it was really cool to see someone kind of trying to do the Samuel Yellen style of, you know, art deco-y, beautiful ornamental ironwork. Nice. Who have you got, Marekko? Well, I actually just want to give a quick, uh, give some love to you, Jeff, for I, I have been seeing all of your posts and everything, and I, I commend you for uh, all the work that you have been doing to uh, support and be helpful as you as you've kind of coined the hashtag. Um, well, and thank just you very trying much. to help take care of people. Because these, as Craig has said before, uh, these are pretty wild times. We're, this is kind of uncharted territory for a lot of us. And, um, yeah, and we're just trying to figure out how to make it through it. Well, so, we can do stuff. You know, we have, you know, we have followers, you know, you can just put your eyes on things. So I just, you know, it's, it's, I'm really looking at my personal community and then the greater, greater community abroad. So it's, you know, the, I think a lot of people are doing it and, be helpful isn't an, isn't a controversial statement. I mean, no one's giving me fritz about being helpful. One guy gave yeah. me fritz about one thing, and it's just like, mm, well, fine. Then, then sit on the sidelines and fuck off. But you know, here's the thing: before Morocco does his community showcase, what about there's going to be some knife makers out there that are worried about their their sort of future as well? Because you know, if the economy's in a bit of a, it's it's, it's going to get into a bit of a state. You know, we're all probably going to see less orders coming through. So, you know, knife makers, how how can they protect their business? You know, what 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 can they be doing for themselves too? Any any ideas? We need to think about creative yeah. ways in which we can be makers. Mm. I mean, that's really what we are. We call each other makers. There's going to be things that people are going to need. There's going to be using your skills with your hands and your creative creativity and your organization, your mind to make something that people can use and need, you know, there's going to be a need for people who can do things. And and I think that you're just going to have to go for long walks and just think about what I can do to be helpful. And once you find something that you can be helpful, maybe that's something that will be something that you can do. And I, I just think that I think about it. I, I, I think about, at all, 100%. I, I think it's just a question of, you know, how can you use your creativity to create something for yourself? You know, and that might be, you know, just, you know, making some money, you know. I was, I was talking to my wife this morning about it because, you know, I'd say probably 80% of my business comes from restaurants. And obviously they're going to be going through an extremely hard time at the moment. So we were thinking maybe you know, still offer what we offer, but maybe say we can defer payment for three months or we can, you know, there's all these things. And I, I don't think that's the right answer. I, 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 I don't know. And I'm, I'm just sort of spitballing here to, you know, 
what what can be done. But um, yeah, it's it's going to be trying times for for everyone. I think when when I worked yeah. for Charlie Palmer, and he put me in a position of being a general manager of a restaurant, I was totally nervous, and I'd never done it before. He made it very simple. He says, "Give the people what they want. You've got to find out what people want, and then you might have to arrange your arrange things so you can." Give the people what they want. I think that's the, the key. There might be some changes and stuff like that. But you have an opportunity to feed a need. And I don't know what that need is. But, you know, it's, it's this, is a personal, this is a personal journey that you're going to have to go on in terms of how can I better help my community and ultimately it will help me. I mean, it might be a selfish situation, but we're all, we're, we're all in this together. But at the same time, we can't just, you know, we have to worry about ourselves too. So I think it's a very important to just kind of like think about how you can feed a particular need. Mm. Yeah. We took a, another big diversion there. We, we didn't get to uh, Morocco's community showcase. Who got Morocco? <laughs> sorry, about, sorry about that, Morocco. <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. You're good. Um, so I have uh, Northwest Skillet Company. Uh, this guy is based out of Oregon. Um, or Somerville, Oregon. Uh, he hand spins pots and pans, um, which if you don't know what the hell that means, go check out his Instagram at Northwest Skillet Company. But it's super cool. And basically he chucks steel. He makes carbon steel pans. He chucks it into a lathe and he uses these specialized spinning tools to basically raise the pan. Um, uh, raise that flat piece of steel into a pan shape. He also makes uh, big spoons and spatulas and all kinds of cooking utensils and stuff. It's really, really interesting. Um, and he has, uh, I think part of the reason I really want to feature him is he's he's 25% of all of his sales are going to local farms to support them through all this. But farmers um, don't use carbon steel. We learned that today. <laughs> oh, ex-farmers. <laughs> ex-farmers don't yeah. use carbon no, that's steel. Just, yeah, it's the the farmers, farmers will be fine. <laughs> <laughs> but these, pan, these pans are beautiful. And... Um, and he hand forges the uh, the the handles and everything like that. And so, anyways, go check them out. Um, they're really cool pans. If you're interested, you should definitely get a hold of one. They look like they're really well made. Um, but if anything else, it's just a really interesting process to kind of see how that's done. Um, I learned that hand spinning is actually how a lot of things used to be made uh, from you know brass lamp, like the body of the lamp to bells, to cymbals, uh, for drum sets, all kinds of stuff. And uh, it's really, really neat. So anyways, Northwest Skillet Company, go check him out. He's got 808 followers, so he could definitely use all of our love um, to help spread the uh, the word of his quality work. Cool. Could I, I just add one last thing? And when I, when I say, just ask me a question. When I say this, say, well, what did he have? Just, I'm putting you that in there. I want to send our hopes and prayers to a friend of ours who just had is going uh, underwent surgery dies in every film owner i'm with you i know you just went through surgery and i'm looking forward to you having a complete recovery what what you supposed to ask me what happened what what happened jeff when owner had a vasectomy (laughs) he had his fucking tubes tied and I just, I was making a joke and I think, I know he's listening to this. He's sitting on the couch with a bag of peas on his balls 
And I just want you to know, owner. <laughs> oh, do you know what we should have done? We should have had a competition to make the knife, to make the cock chopper. We should have had to... Cock chopper? You don't cut <laughs> your dick off to get a vasectomy, we Junior. Build, we should have had a build along, and uh, we all make some cock choppers. Cock? Why? No, but do you know what a vasectomy is? I, a vasectomy joking, has nothing to Jeffrey. do with your dick. Of course I know. All right, all right. So, owner, you're sitting there. you got the peas <laughs> on your nuts. We're, we're, we're looking forward to your complete recovery. He's a good dude. That's a funny guy, man. I love that dies in every film. He's a good dude. You got it. You got the vasectomy, and now the podcast is acknowledging his testicles. Fifty thousand people now know. Good luck with those genitals, owner. We're with you. We got beef. We got beef. This is the part of the show where we we talk about something that's been grinding our gears this week, and we're going to try and keep this brief because uh, we don't want to go out on a, on a sad note. Um, but for me, it's uh, news outlets. Um, this whole sort of pandemic that we're all sort of experiencing at the moment, this just created more panic than is necessary. I think you know, for you know, forever seeing pictures of supermarkets with empty empty shelves and so on. And I, and I don't know about you guys, but for me, that's that's not the experience that I'm really getting. But it, it's causing a lot of fear with, with people. And I just think fear sort of sells sells papers and, and sells clicks online. And I just think oh, we need to change. So news outlets creating panic. That's my beef this week. There's a local radio station in Peekskill. I know Peekskill. Peekskill is a local radio station in in New York City. It's called WNYC. It's public radio, and there's a guy I've been listening to for 20 years. I actually had lunch with him years ago. His name is Brian Lair. It's been really, really helpful what to do in, you know, what you can do, how you can help. It's been very upbeat. They've been talking to people, and they had the mayor on every Friday, and it's been really, really helpful and not so doom and gloom. It's very, like, proactive information and mm. been really, really good. So I, I I don't watch TV. I'm not interested in trauma porn. I'm far more interested in, like, how can we help, and WNYC's been awesome. Cool. Who have you got, nice. Uh My – yeah, so – I think my beef this week has just been uh, seeing, like I had mentioned earlier, how it doesn't seem really like a lot has changed around here. And it doesn't seem like people are kind of taking the proper precautions, not only to help protect themselves, but to help, you know, look out for others around them. And that's just been, I, I just see it nonstop and it's driving me nuts. And I don't understand it. Um, why? They're just not taking it really that seriously. And so, but that's what's really been frustrating to me lately. Well, well, it's, it's, it's okay to be frustrated and it's okay to be upset. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be, you know, it's just a question of how you go forward. And I understand. Sure. I mean, it's, you know, it's weird, but I, my beef is going to be a fucking old beef. I told you a couple episodes ago, I almost got arrested. So I might as well tell this fucking story because <laughs> I'm going to go lay somebody. When I came back from uh, Doghouse Forge, I got back to Newark, New Jersey in the airport. Real, I, they, I got to the, I just barely made the plane. Gabe, you know what I'm talking about. Gabe, Gabe Jensen gave me, he made me a little bit late, but don't worry, Gabe. I'm with you. It's all good. <laughs> He, he was down there. He's a good dude. Good kid. So I got to the got off the airplane, got in the car. It was 11 o'clock at night. Drove home. I was tired. I wanted to go to bed. And uh, I was driving down, getting off Route 9, getting ready to go on to 
uh, Hudson Avenue. And I'm a, I have like a, my, I drive like a grandmother. I'm a, I have a crystal clear record. And anytime I've ever had a problem, I always go fight it. And I make sure that my, my, my driver's license is crispy, crispy clean. It's a virginal. I have a virginal record, virginal. So I make the stop at the stop sign at the bottom. And then I turn. And as I turn, I notice on the underpass, there is a police car tight to the wall. And then as, and it's probably now we're talking one thirty at night. So I make my turn and then I see him turn his wheels and start driving and make a U-turn. And I said, I'm about to get pulled over. So I pull over, pull over on a safe spot. I turn my dome lights on. I put my hands on the wheel at, you know, at the top of the wheel, dome lights on, open the windows, turn the car off to show the police officer that I want him to be safe too. And it turns out he says, comes up to me and he says, you, you rolled through that stop sign. And I didn't roll through the stop sign. And I said to him in a very polite way, I'm sorry, I didn't realize that. I'm sorry, I'm just trying to go home. And he goes, oh, and then he says, can I license and registration? I give him my license and registration. My license is in front of him. And it says my address, and I'm on the street of the address. So he says, oh, do you live around here? And I almost said, you have, you're have. you looking at my license. Yes, but I didn't. Oh I was God. like, I'm going to make this thing easy. I'm going to say, yes, officer, I live up the street. I just got back from the airport. And I'm just tired. He didn't check me. He didn't ask me if I've been drinking. It was 2 o'clock in the morning on a, you know, 1 2 o'clock in the morning and on a Sunday. And he just goes back to the, goes back to the, and I know most of the police and peak skills. So I, I'm just like, this whole thing. He looks young guy, baby face, a little nervous. A little bit jumpy as far as I'm concerned. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I didn't, I didn't roll through the stop sign. It's a bullshit thing. So then I'm sitting there. I'm just like, I just want to go. I'm literally like three blocks from home. All I want to do is get into bed. I'm fucking exhausted. He comes back and I look in the rear view mirror. He's holding a ticket. I'm like, well, that's it. There's no fighting that ticket. And as soon as he comes back, he gets real nervous and he says, uh, your, your license is really clean. I just want to show you how you can fight this ticket. And he starts talking to me about how he can, how I can fight this ticket. You shouldn't have given me the ticket in the first place. You asshole, you were bored and you had, you had nothing better to do. And it was late at night and you were trying to do a quota. Turns out he was not a peak skill police department guy. He, who, and I didn't. I didn't start bouncing names. I'm friendly with the chief. I, don't, I, I didn't bounce his name. I didn't do any of that bullshit. It, I got my peak skill sticker in the front of the car, supporter. I didn't do any of that shit. He, he, he wasted my time by telling me that I, I rolled to the, and then to make matters worse. And he was nervous because he knew it was some bullshit. He knew my, he saw my virginal, my virginal license. And then he had the fucking audacity to tell me, oh, and by the way, Oh, this is not a Peekskill PD. This is not a, a county PD. This is a PD that's connected to the train line in, in, in New York. He says, by the way, your, dro- your license plate has a chip in it. Somebody could give you a ticket for that. Oh, my God. And I'm like, and I was just like, thank you. Thank you for letting me know. And I took the ticket. I was polite. I was, did everything to show him safety. He knew it was some bullshit. He knew it was some bullshit. I didn't fight it because I'm like, I'm going to go. See, and I know the judge, so I'll go see the judge. And then I was like, you're a, this guy's a fucking asshole. He, he, he could, instead of saying, here's how you fight it, he should have said, all right, 
leave it alone. You know, just do your thing. Just go home. And But he didn't. It, he was bored, and it was a bullshit, ticky-tack, Mickey Mouse, horseshit pullover. And that's my beef, and I didn't really get arrested. I wanted to make it sound like I was going to. I was polite, and I took that shit, and I'm going to fight it down the road. But guess what? Guess what? I'm not going to be going to court anytime soon because they're not going to be dealing with that anytime soon. They're not going to waste their time with me and my bullshit stop. So, officer asshole, you fuck you. You're my beef. You, 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 you picked the wrong guy. Deep breath. Deep breath. <sighs> It was annoying. It was a bull. It was nonsense. It was, he was bored on a Sunday. And he, somebody did something. And he... Ah, breath. Yes. You know what? You probably saw a picture of your bolognese, and that was enough to send him off, probably. It was a couple of weeks ago, you fuck. <laughs> it was not, nothing to do with my bolognese. He's like, and then, and then I asked my wife if she could look at my license. I said, look at my driver's license, my driver, my license plate, and see if there's a chip. And she goes, I don't know what the fuck that guy's talking about. That was some, some fucking bullshit. So, where are we going this week? What do we want to see happening? Um, it's going to be a difficult one this week. Um, yeah, let's let's start with Morocco. What's uh, what's the dream for the week? It, I mean, it's it's the same stuff as it has been. Oh, <sighs> so dreamy. <laughs> same as always. Uh, you know, I just I gotta keep my head down and keep working. And uh, uh, I have been, as Jeff mentioned earlier, he's been getting out and uh, walking with his family i i've been doing the same and and the weather's getting nicer here or actually it's about to start raining but as the weather weather does get nicer i want to keep up that habit because it's actually been really nice and uh and fun to have that time with the family so um i i hope to keep up with the walking i guess is my is my is my is my hope for the week actually the dude and i are going to go out on an adventure today i'm not sure we might go for a little morning hike in the woods somewhere should be fun nice what's it gonna be craig craig everyone gives me a hard time because i say craig craig i apologize craig i think trying to get some sort of uh normality here for my kids whereas we're also we're also locked in the house at the moment and um yeah, so we've we've been back what three, four, four days now, and we haven't got into a rhythm yet, you know. So um, even with regards to you know t- times we're eating our meals and times the kids are taking a nap and mm. so on, um, and I, we're all feeling a little bit of cabin fever. So I think we need to find some sort of rhythm, find some sort of um, timetable to stick to, um, and that would be good. So yeah, that's that's my dream for this week. Where are we going, Jeff? Well, it's gonna be. Oh, excuse me. It's gonna be very. It's gonna be very positive. That was a burp, by the way. Sorry. It's gonna be very positive. I'm very. I'm. I'm going down a positive jag. I got a meeting with Million Gallons, which I'm gonna do something with them. I'm gonna start reworking on my watercolor book when I'm at home, which I'm excited about. I'm gonna. I found out thanks to Jonathan Porter, Doghouse Forge. He kind of has been doing a lot of research in regards to what is these, what are these uh, businesses that are considered essential business. I was afraid that I was gonna be not allowed to drive around, but because I'm I'm only sole proprietor and I don't see anybody, I shouldn't have a problem being able to come to the shop. I was I was really worried I was gonna have to bring a couple grinders and some things to my house. I didn't really want to do. So I'm looking forward to getting a little bit of work done. I'm going to, de- uh, at least for this particular week, I'm going to designate one day. I'm going to make a pile of bottle openers, and then I'm going to put them on my website, and I'm going to link them to a charity. I'm going to try to do some, you know, 
put some money into some charity. I haven't figured it out yet. Um, I might be what a food of a food bank for Westchester or something like that. But I'm going to try to figure out ways in which I can be more helpful monetarily. Um, donating a day, maybe linking my website to a to a donation, like and then do full blast. You know, send some bottle openers. You can sell them cheap, and you know, money can go somewhere good. I'm going to do that for a day, and then I'm going to work on some knives. I, I want to get some knives finished. I want to get that done, and then I'm going to help my wife. She's excited to for a for a garden, so we're going to put that squared. We're going to get a garden squared away, and I'm going to try to be as positive as I can. I, my kid is hilarious, and I'm trying to convince her to. She's a very good writer, and I'm trying to convince her to write her, you know, write her stories down, or you know, write something. She's very very funny. Um, so we're just going to just do things in the house to try to be more positive. I'm going to like. Do a little bit more drinking this week and then kind of taper it off a little bit back to I wanna next after next week, I'm gonna start to rein things in. Set like a man to, with a true problem after next week. No, I don't have a I don't have a drinking problem. I'm just enjoying this bender I'm on. I'm not all it's not all day, but it's like I I'm just I'm back into beer for a little bit and I'm not getting there's no judgments and I'm gonna just taper off back to my normal thing and and uh you know try to you know but i'm very i'm 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 right this minute as we record this sunday morning i'm positive and invigorated to help good stuff there you are you know what that's a show hour and 50 minutes we've done a good job i think we've done a good job so we've got a a couple of single tracks sort of in the bank which we're going to release uh during the week um i don't know what days yet it'll just be as and when um hopefully keep people's spirits up um any anything else to say i think i think that's pretty much i'm going to try to do as much as possible and i encourage you guys to do as well because you know we could i mean i at one point i thought if i get locked in the house i'm going to do like five days a week i'm gonna do like you know like yelling at myself for five days a week so i i I encourage you both to try to do as much as you can it's gonna be like jack in the shining you know (laughs) that's what you want that trust me it's you want to actually talk to tomer and i might talk to him on on a podcast i'll get him on i'm gonna have him get on too because he's crawling at the walls that would be cool that would be cool right um anything to add anybody be helpful there we go Good way to end the show. We shall speak to you very, very soon. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.